And the word of the Lord says this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may be seated. I'm grateful for this time of year that we get to come and celebrate the incarnation of Christ Jesus, which we'll be talking about for the next four weeks. Before we get there, though, this morning, we have uh, two announcements I'd like to make. Uh, One is more lengthy, so you'll have to pay uh, special attention to the lengthy one. Uh, Our next business meeting, which is an important business meeting, is on December the the 9th at 6 o'clock. That's our business meeting that we will Uh, vote on our budget for 2021. So uh, the budget will be presented to us and then we'll take a vote on that to get ready for the uh, 2021 calendar year. So please mark your calendar and uh, be with us for that uh, special business meeting. The next one, I'll read uh, the announcement. If I don't read it, I'll butcher the announcement. So, uh, and Ms. Patty, if I get this wrong, uh, please speak up. This is from Tracy in my uh, announcement. So I was just going to read it, and then uh, if you have questions, you can see uh, Miss Cindy, Miss Patty, or Miss Donna uh, for any other questions. Do not come to me because I I don't have the answers. Uh, But this is the announcement. This year we'll be selling poinsettias uh, that can be purchased and donated in memory or honor of someone. The cost of those poinsettias is $6.60 per uh, flower uh, per poinsettia. Uh, We'll be taking orders through December the 12th. Uh, Those poinsettias will be used to decorate as those ladies have done, which they did a fabulous job. Let's give those ladies a round for what they did already this morning, uh, getting us ready for this holiday season. Those poinsettias that will be purchased will uh, continue to decorate this this building. So uh, please make those uh, donations or those purchases. Uh, I believe they can be made out to the church. Is that correct, Ms. Patty? Uh, and then at the end, after our Christmas Eve service, uh, those who purchase those poinsettias can grab them, and then uh, you can either take them, the rest will be donated to Adam's place. Uh, but if you have any questions or you want to purchase a poinsettia, see Miss Cindy, Miss Donna, or Miss Patty. I think I got it all, Miss Patty, is that correct? Okay. Perfect. Thank you, Miss Barbara. I, I'm sorry I did not mention you as well. Uh, again, let's give those ladies a round of applause for their hard work. All right, let me pray for us, and then we'll jump into 1 John chapter uh, 4. God, we're grateful to gather in this place to be with you and you with us, more importantly. As we come into this Christmas season, we will look at the incarnation. You, Lord Jesus, making yourself manifest becoming human to be with us. And all that that means, God. The Christmas season also reminds us of what you came to do. 
and that was to set us free. And so I pray that we would receive that great gift from you. If there's anyone here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior this morning, I pray that this morning they would receive the greatest gift that's ever been given to man. That is salvation from you and you alone. So lead us and guide us. And we ask as we humble ourselves under your mighty hand this morning that you would have your way in this place, but more importantly, in our hearts. I pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Every year since I've been here, we've taken these next four weeks to celebrate Advent. That is the coming of our Lord Jesus as a baby. And so this is the working definition that we've worked with for the last several years of Advent. So put this in your Bibles, put this in your brains, and most importantly, put this in your heart. This is what the Advent word means. It comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning arrival or coming. Advent is the time of patient waiting, hoping and expectation, soul searching and calendar waiting as we wait for the arrival and coming of our Lord Jesus. We celebrate the arrival of King Jesus as a baby. What we'll look at the next four weeks is the incarnation. That is Christ himself coming as a baby. But we'll look at it in four ways. We'll look at it this morning through the incarnation of love, how Christ came as love. Next week, we'll look at the incarnation of peace, how Christ came to bring us peace. Uh, Then in the third week, we will look at the incarnation of hope. It's because of Christ Jesus that we have hope this morning. And last, we'll look at the incarnation of joy, how Christ brings us joy. Here's the working definition of the incarnation. It comes from uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul says this about the incarnation. It's God the Son the second person of the Holy Trinity, took on human nature without subtracting himself from any of his divine attributes. So the working definition of the incarnation is that God the Son came in human form. He was fully human, but yet at the same time he was fully God. Uh, R.C. Sproul says this about Christ Jesus. He, He was truly God and truly man at the same time that is the incarnation that the god of the universe and all of his splendor all of his majesty all of his might all of his authority came into this world as a small baby boy and the reason he came as we all know maybe you don't know this is to save the world and we've been looking at that through the book of genesis that in genesis chapter 3 remember that god had made us a promise that there would one day be a savior that would come Well, that's what we celebrate here at Christmas, the Savior of the world coming. And so this morning, I want to look first at this incarnation, because without this idea, the incarnation of Christ Jesus coming in love, then then the others don't matter. Like our building block for the incarnation is love. The, The word love in this chapter is in this small portion between verses 7 through 12, we'll only look at 9 through 12 this morning, but the bulk of the text, 7 through 12, it's used over 13 times, the word love. It, it, it says that he, that let us love one another. Love is from God. God knows love. God is love. By this love, God made manifest to us. God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, we ought to love We are loved by God. We are to love one another. And on and on he he talks 13 times about this word love. 
what does that word love mean? It's so important. The word love comes from the Greek word agape. There, there's four words throughout the New Testament that are used for the word love. This word love means this. It's agape. It's the highest form of God's love. It's an unconditional love. That there's no strings attached to the way that God loves us. Again, it's the highest form. Throughout the book of 1 John, it's all about our loving relationship with God. But more importantly, God's loving relationship towards us. That he loved the world. And again, in, in his, uh, uh, his, the, the gospel letter, the, the gospel book, of John. John is known as the apostle of love. Many refer to him as the doctor of love because he talked over and over and over about love. Love is so important for us and to us. And so this morning I want to look at three things about God's love. The first thing is in verse 9, God's love made manifest. The second thing I want to look at is what does God's love cover? God's love covers all things. And last, I want to look at what God's love changes. God's love changes our lives. So let's look this morning at verse 9 together. I'll read the passage, and then I'm going to talk about the manifestation of God's love. It says this, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. So here we start. God's love. Circle the word manifest in your Bible. The, the word manifest simply means this. It's where we get the idea of the incarnation. Nowhere in the Bible is the word incarnation used, but we see it all over the text. It, it's the idea that God made manifest himself to come to this world. That in his sovereignty, his goodness, his kindness, and in his love, he pulled on skin to be with us, to dwell among us. And so I, I want to talk about this idea of God's manifestation of his love. Because God's love starts with who? God. Our love starts with who? God. We, it says in the text that we do not know love unless we what? Know God. This is more than just an attribute of God. It is the essence of God. It is the quality of who God is. Out of God's sovereignty and his love, all other attributes flow from that. Out of God's love, his wrath comes. Out of God's love, his kindness comes. Out of God's love, on and on we go. Love is the filter that God sees all things. And so we must know this, that it starts with God's love, his unconditional love for us. I love how one writer says this about God's love. Many of us would say this is God's love letter to us, the word. This is how one writer says, the Bible is the story of God's love. Next, he would say this, the church is the community of God's love. So, so God's love is in story form for us to be played out in the church. We are to love one another. We'll get that into the text. But most importantly, Jesus is 
the what? The embodiment of God's love. If you want to know what God's love looks like, we look to one person and one person alone, Jesus. If you've ever wondered, what does God's love look like? When we read Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it says this about love, and he gives all those things in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Love is what? And he, on and on he goes. You take all those qualities of what love is, and you can put them onto Christ Jesus. So if you want to know what love is, study Corinthians, and then go study the Gospels. You will find out what love is. Because it's God, through Christ Jesus, loving the world. This is what another writer says about love. Love is the event when God spoke himself and brought Jesus into the world for sinners like us. Jesus himself said this about his love and God's love. It says this in John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. But here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 5. We did not start off as friends of God. We started off, as Paul says in Romans chapter 5, this. But God showed his love for us while we were what? Still sinners. Sinners are not friends of God. And yet God in his love for us as sinners sent his son to die for us. But God showed his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. John in his Gospel says this, you know the verse well, John three sixteen, for God what so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God's love is so important to us, but we must remember this. It starts with God. It starts with God. I want to ask this question to you and to myself. What is the world's expectation of love? And then what is your expectation of love? And then what is God's expectation of love? You see, when the world thinks of love, it's all consuming. It's about me, 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 me. But what is God's love all about? Him, 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 him. And he is about himself, therefore he loved us to be in relationship with us so that what? He could receive all the glory from his creation. That is why God loves us. It's for himself. It's not primarily for you. It's primarily for what? Himself. God loves himself. And in loving himself, he loves us and gave his son for us so that we could love God and bring glory to God. So we know this this morning, that God made himself available to us in love through Christ Jesus. God's love manifests himself in Christ Jesus. The second comes out of verse 10. What does God's love cover? Let me read the passage to you. In this love, this love, again, it uses, John uses that phrase two times. In this love, he's referring back to chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. In this love, 
God being love. He says, in this love, not that we have loved God, but what? That God loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. And so what did God send his love for us for? If God so loved the world and gave his son Jesus to us, then what does God's love or what does Jesus cover? Jesus is love or God's love for us covers all things. That's what the word means. He became what? A propitiation for us. In verse 10. A propitiation for what? Our sin. This is the definition of propitiation. Again, this comes from Dr. Sproul. He says this about propitiation. Propitiation is the atoning death of Jesus on the cross through which he paid Catch that word. He paid the penalty demanded by God because of people's sin, thus setting them free from sin and death and the penalty of sin and death. The word propitiation literally means appeasement. Thus, propitiation expresses the idea that Jesus died on a cross to pay the price for the sins that the holy God demanded. You see, Christmas points us to one place and one place only, the cross. As cute as baby Jesus was in a manger, as cute as it is that the wise men came, as cute as it is that the shepherd came, this cute, beautiful day points us to a disastrous day when man hated this Jesus that was sent to us, when man hated the love of God. But Jesus knew in this moment that we see in front of us that he came for one person, that was to be the propitiation for our sins, that this demand that God had, that God's wrath demanded on mankind, that he would absorb it for himself. Jesus' love covers all things. That's what it means, that his propitiation His appeasement, God's appeasement, God's wrath was appeased on the cross of Jesus. God's love through Christ Jesus covers all things. But I ask you these two questions. When you think about the way God looks at you, what comes to your mind first? Is it his love? Is it his kindness? Or do you look at God as a God that has made a list of all of your wrongs waiting to get to you? You see, when just a few months ago there was a survey that was taken, many people don't believe that God's love covers all things. I've done this so he doesn't cover that. I've got to go get my stuff right before I can come to Jesus. No, no. God's love covers all things. So first, what comes to your mind when you think about God? Does you think of his love first and how he loves you? Or do you think that you have to get yourself right before God? Because the text clearly says to us, not that we love God first, but what? God loved us first. God knew we're sinners. God knew that we had ravaged our life with sin 
God knew that there was nothing in us that could draw us to himself except himself drawing us to him. It wasn't that we needed to get right before God. It was that God made us get right before him. It starts with him. He knows everything that you and I have ever done, and yet he still died on the cross for us. And yet he still sent his only begotten son into the world to redeem us. His love covers all things. Paul says it this way. His love covers a multitude of sins. Do we believe that this morning? Never forget this about God's love, that it covers all things. You see, when you and I walk into Walmart, our pocketbook covers all things, I hope that you're not stealing, that the the money that you take to the register is going to cover that purchase price. The same is true for God. God's love was costly to himself, more costly than any gift that you will buy this year. No matter how beautiful a gift, husbands, I, I give this as a bonus to you. Get your wives something great and costly, but it will cost God more than it would cost you to buy that gift. It was the most costly gift that God could ever give to us. His only begotten son. Now I remember when Tennyson and when Sierra were both born. I remember in the the OR and holding them for the first time. I couldn't imagine giving them for anybody. And yet in God's, what, love for us. He knew before Jesus ever came to this earth what Jesus would do. That was to live a perfect life for 33 and a half years. That was to love the world unconditionally. That was that the world would hate him unconditionally. And yet God, through his goodness and Christ's obedience response to his father, was to love the world. And it cost God his son and it cost Christ his life. But in those two places, those two payments, we receive something that we could never receive, the forgiveness of our wicked, wicked ways. And so it cost God his son. It cost Christ his life. And you know what it will cost you? Your sin. And it's all the payment you have to bring to the table is your sin. But are you willing to bring your sin so that the payment could be paid on your behalf? Now let's look at the last point of the text, verses 11 and 12. Because God made manifest and sent his son Jesus to us, because God's love covers all things, something has to happen in our lives. And something does happen in our lives. God's love changes us. Three things that we see that it changes in the text. I'll read it in its entirety. Verses 11 to 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to what? Love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. God's love changes three things. The first one, look at the very first word of verse 11. God's love changes your identity. The writer John, the apostle John says this. Because of God's love, because of our sins being covered, we are no longer enemies of God. We are the beloved children of an almighty God. Your identity this morning, if you are in Christ Jesus, is a beloved 
son, a daughter of God. And if God is the king of kings and the prince of peace is his son, you know what that makes you. You are a prince or a princess of the king of kings. Your identity is changed this morning. My question to you is, do you live as if your identity has changed? Do you live as a beloved son or daughter of God this morning? Not only does it change our identity, but it gives us a new power, a new power, a new ability to love other people. We see that in the text. He makes this plea to us, John does. And this love, not that we have loved God, but that he had loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Now our text, beloved, if God so loved us, what? We ought to love one another. The only way that we can love one another is by receiving the love of Christ Jesus. When you receive the love of Christ Jesus, then you can go and love other people. You see, unbelievers cannot fully love unconditionally the way a believer can because they do not have the Holy Spirit in them. I'm not saying unbelievers do not know how to love. We see that all over the place. It's called God's common grace to every mankind. But what I am saying, the world does not know how to love the way the church does. And my question to you is that do you live with that new identity and with that new power to love other people? This is what John says in just a few more verses in verse 19 of chapter 4. We love because what? He loved us first. John says it this way in the Gospel of John. John 13, 35. By this, the word this in that text means love. By the way By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If what? You love one another. So, do you have that new identity? And are you living with loving one another? Are we, the church, loving one another? And then, if we can't love each other in here, we'll never love the world. So my plea to you, Palace Chapel, is let us love one another unconditionally. Being reminded how Christ Jesus loved us unconditionally. Which leads to the last point. It goes back to the first word of the text. We are to love one another. God abides in us. The word us is referring to the church. So God gives us a new identity. God gives us a new power. And God gives us a new family. This is what Sam Albury says about Jesus and the family that he comes to. Remember, we looked at the the scandalous family that Jesus came from last week. But this is what he says. Matthew's genealogy includes the outcast, the scandalous, the foreigner. The family that Jesus comes from anticipates the family that he's come for. Let me read that quote again. Matthew's genealogy includes the outcast, the scandalous, and the foreigner. That's all of us in the room. Christ Jesus knew that you would be an outcast. Christ Jesus knew that you'd be a scandalous. Christ knew that you'd be a foreigner or uh, apart from his family. And the family Jesus comes from anticipated the family that he came for. He came 
for us, the outcast, the scandalous, and the foreigner. And so this morning, as a way of application, I ask this, these two questions in closing. The first is the most important one you'll ever be able to answer. Have you received God's unconditional love through Christ Jesus? Have you placed your hope and your faith and your life and your will in the hands of Jesus who sent his, who, into God's hand who sent Jesus for us as a propitiation for our sins? So have you received God's love? And for you, the church, the believer this morning, I'd ask this question. Have you now given God's love? First to the church and then to the world. Let us pray. God, we are grateful for the incarnation of Christ Jesus. At Christ Jesus, you came as Love for us. You tell us in your word you are love. God, you say here in this text, God is love. We're grateful for that. And so now I pray, God, for these two ways of application. First, have we received your love? Your unconditional, highest form of love. Agape love. No strings attached. through Christ Jesus, the Savior of the world, that came as a propitiation for our sins. And next, God, I would ask this. After receiving that great love for you, will you in your kindness, in your sweet rebuke to us, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, send us to love one another and then send us to the world to love it. To be a demonstration of your love to a lost and dying world. May we be the conduit of that love. I pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us stand this morning for the benediction. And Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Go in love, peace, and grace. The Lord be with you. Amen.